Well, Happy New Year. I don't normally share a lot of personal stuff. I'm going to share something. I'm going to tell you how I ended up the year and how it affected me at the beginning of this new year. I decided, like I used to, decided to do a little project at 10.30 last night. This all right. And I'd made a big old batch of soup, and I had at least three and a half gallons. So I transferred the soup. It's out in my garage, and I cook on old stoves, old chamber stoves. And, of course, it's uh, <clears throat> probably like my closet. I have to step around a lot of stuff and everything. So my aunt had, uh, had sent to me, uh, I guess she got it on a channel, a food channel or something, but uh, it's a, you stick it on a table and it has arms that come up and you put a little baggie and it clips there and holds that baggie open and you can just pour stuff in there. That's what, that's what she said. <laughs> so anyway, I transferred soup and I got, it, got the soup I wanted to get back and I had about, oh, probably a gallon and a half to two gallons of liquid that I thought, well, I'm going to freeze that. And so I got this big old pot and started pouring it, and it was working pretty good until it got to that point where I thought, I think I've just about got, and that's the last word I got out. <laughs> I watched that tumble over, and I, I guess in slow motion, um, I watched it because my soup base is sour cream and butter and all kinds of stuff. And I watched that, and my first thought was, that's what I used to see when I was working on dairies, you know, I see it doing it. So anyway, I just kind of looked at it, put it down, I thought, oh, well, you know. So I got, you know, gallons of water, tried to rinse it out. But I, just, I determined uh, two things, how I ended up that year. First of all, I'm not going to do any more projects after 1030 at night. Second thing is, I'm not going to trust anything you can buy on TV, shopping channel. <laughs> then I get up this morning, come over here, and uh, walk out in the garage, and that smell of the dairy just hit me again. I thought, yep, i got to remember, never do that stuff again. That's how I did my year. So, what to do this year? i tell you what, as I was reflecting over the last two or three years that we've had, a uh, couple of years, it's been... Um, well, really three, been pretty gnarly for, for a lot of people. We've had a lot of uh, changes in our, in our uh, everyday life, a lot of things. We've had a lot of promises made to us uh, by those that think they can make promises. And we've been disappointed uh, a lot because of how things are and how things unfold. But, uh, you know, shame on us. We need to understand that... Uh, our faith and our trust is not in what we can do, but our faith and trust should be in what God has said he could do and is able to do. I've chosen uh, to reflect and to kind of capture, my, my again, my thoughts on these special days. I like to just share my thoughts rather than uh, particularly sermonize. I like to share my thoughts. And this was one, one psalm that I came across uh, in my devotions, oh, two, three weeks ago, and I'm, I, made a, I made a mental note. I, I want to use and speak from this psalm on New Year's Day. So I've had a couple of weeks to think about it, 
and um, don't have anything new. Like I say, like I've said in the last few weeks, I actually think that that sometimes you know we we try to add too much to God's word, but yet we need to just let God's word speak to us because it it is is what has power for us. And so I was thinking about this coming year and then reflecting on the last two, three years. And we seem to be at least in an environment that we have unfortunately become accustomed to uh, of fear and trembling and threats and all kinds of things. And of all people on the face of the earth that should not be uh, wooled around by, by fear, it should be God's people. And sometimes we just need to be uh, reminded that, uh, you know, anyone and everyone can make a promise they'll do something, but not anyone and everyone is able to carry out what they've said. Our faith is, is that God will carry out and will do what he has promised that he would do. So this morning, I would like to kind of, you know, kind of like a clean garage floor. Let's just sweep it out and let's just think about what we'll do, how, how to approach this next year. Let me read in, uh, in Psalms 11. It's seven verses, not very long, but I would like if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it and make references to a few things. Here's what the psalmist said, and this was during a time that David was on the run. King David was on the run. Saul, uh, who was king, David was not king yet, but Saul was king and had turned on David and became very jealous. And David, uh, even though he was the slayer of giants and a wonderful young man, from what we know, we, we, we know that at this point, um, everything that he had thought and trusted was seemingly becoming unraveled. The king, King Saul, had, uh, had changed, uh, whereas before he had wanted to serve God, but we find that uh, as Saul gained the power, that it began to, as they say, absolutely corrupt him. Uh, and he began to desire the life of David, and David was on the run, and there were, it, it was a threat to David. Because Saul represented not only uh, a threat to his own personal safety, but in David's eyes and in, and in the people's eyes, King Saul was a threat to everything that was just and everything that was good in, among God's people. Uh, as a king, he should have done the right thing. He didn't. As a king, he should have sought God. He didn't. As a king of God's people, he should have led the people, but he didn't. He, he divided them. And so everything seemed to be topsy-turvy. And so this is what then David wrote as a young man, reflecting on this and, more importantly, answering or giving a response to people who were trying to tell him what he should do. They were telling David, you need to run, you need to get away from Saul, and you need to go find a place of safety because, and this is what we say, he said in, in verse 1, in the Lord, he says, put I my trust. Why do you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, and they privately shoot at the upright heart. 
if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I'm going to be referring to that because I think that's the linchpin uh, of this particular psalm. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, then David's answer is this. Well, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven, and his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone in a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, and his countenance doth behold the upright. I don't know about you, but if you've been reading, you'll always find that at the end of a year, in the beginning of a year, there's always, there are always those that make predictions and they, uh, you know, tout them. I, I'm not a, an avid follower uh, of Nostradamus, but I do read some of his stuff and I think that, uh, you know, how in the world they make his words come out like they do, they do. But anyway... Uh, he's predicted that we're going to go through global warming. He's predicted that there's going to be a lot of, of all things, dead fish. He's predicted that there's going to be a celestial fire that falls on some royal residence. He's pre uh, predicted uh, World War III. Now, this is back in the 1500s. He's predicted World War III, and he's predicted that this coming year the Antichrist is going to come. Uh, now, we know the Bible says the Antichrist has already been among us. That's what John writes. But there's all kinds of predictions, and, and all these predictions are not great. In, 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 in actuality, they feed this idea that, as, it, as the psalmist writes, the foundations of the world are in disarray. And if we're not careful, we end up following, listening, being shaped, and, and doing what the very thing that the people are wanting David to do, and that is run and hide, or be fearful, or don't put your faith in God. But that's what's interesting about, about his response. Because in this, I found a couple of questions that I wanted to work through. One is, well, what if it is the case that all the foundations of the world come apart? What's the case if we do go through a, 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 world, a world war? What's the case if we do have shortage of food? What is the case? What, what can the righteous do if everything that we have trusted and everything that we have looked forward to becomes unraveled? Well, the fact is, that the answer to that is, the righteous can do nothing if the foundations become unhinged. Why? Because if the foundations become unhinged in our world, in his world, that means something that we don't want to hear. And that means that God does not exist. The scriptures teach us that nothing happens apart from the eyes and the hand and the presence of the Lord. And so if everything begins to be unhinged, the implicit premise is this. God must be asleep or he does not exist or he's not here. And so when that question is asked, well, you know, uh, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we can't do anything. Why? Well, because if our world comes, becomes unraveled, all right, that means, uh, at least in my mind, that uh, God did not know it. 
If he does exist, he didn't know it. I mean, how can he, how can he allow the destruction of his own creation? Most artists, if not all, will not allow their creation or their artistic endeavor to be destroyed. They, they keep it. Sometimes they don't even put it on, on display. So that means that God uh, is, is, is not aware. He's not aware of what's going on. Secondly, I'm thinking that if, if everything comes undone, let's assume God is aware, all right, that he is looking down, as the scriptures say, and he sees everything, but he does nothing. Well, that means that we have a God that's kind of devious in, in his thing, that he allows things to happen, much like the Norse gods uh, or different ones that allow just bad things to happen without any intervention whatsoever. And then the third thing is, well, if, if the foundations of our world become, you know, just in disarray, if everything gets, gets uh, topsy-turvy, and God doesn't intervene or God doesn't speak, then what that says to me is, well, that our God has no mercy whatsoever or has no goodness in him. Because which one of us, if we see an injustice and we have the ability to fix it, that we don't do it. We all do it. And God is even more so. So the answer to that question it, to me is, if, if everything becomes in disarray, back to darkness, what can the righteous do? Nothing, because God has done nothing. But it's not the case that God will do nothing. And that's the answer that, that Dave gives, David gives here. Here's what he says. He says, the Lord, well, first of all, let me go back to his first statement because it all goes together. He says, why, he says, why do you say to me, or how can you say to my soul, you put your trust in the Lord? He said, here's why. And in verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. The Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness and his countenance upholds the upright. That's people like you and I trying to do the best we can, trying to serve God. So in this, my thought was, well, it is true. If the foundations are destroyed, we need to be running. We need to be hiding. We need to do what we can do to get away because there's nothing that we can do to, to change it. But if it can be changed, it only comes by the hand of God. And this is why I think, okay, here's what we need to do this year as God's people. First of all, we need to understand God is present in our lives. Not only did our Lord teach that, but our own personal experience tells us. Sometimes it's in the shadows of our night when we're alone or we're afraid or we're thinking of all these heavy things and all of a sudden, we feel that sense of divine presence that no one else can see, but yet we know. And there is a calmness that far surpasses the counting of sheep to go to sleep. So the first thing is, understand that God is present. In fact, here's what God said. When things are pressing to you, the psalmist wrote this down and it was what God said. He says, be still and know that I am God. 
So that's the first thing. No matter what is going on out there, no matter predictions, no matter promises, no matter all these things, the key to this next year for complete joy and happiness and calmness is what God says, be still and know that I am God. That's the first thing. The second thing is we need to be very aware and understand that God is aware. Not only is he present, you see, God, our Heavenly Father, is not some neutral observer, not at all. He moves within our hearts, in our being, in our mind. And so not only is he present here, but he's also very involved with our lives if we want him to be. And ultimately, he will be involved in all people's lives. The old proverb says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God himself said, told Jeremiah to write this down. He said, Jeremiah, my eyes are on all people's ways. There is nothing hidden from my face. Their iniquity is not hidden from my eyes. So no matter what it seems like is happening, understand God is present and he's very very aware of not only the good, but the bad. And God has always dealt very efficiently and timely with those things that are bad. The third thing is, this year we need to center our minds on not, not, only, not only is God, uh, you know, present and he's, and he's uh, aware of everything, but God is able to do things that we are not able to do. Let's assume that we're, we're watching. You know, I listen to all this stuff and I read this stuff. And I'll tell you what, man, it'll just depress the fire out of you. You know, thank goodness uh, the world is not in the hands of those who think that it is. It's actually in the hands of God Almighty. And he's the one, as has been said in the scriptures, He's the one that raises up governors and raises up kings and strikes them down. He's the one that does that, and nothing gets by his eye. God is able to deal with foundations that are becoming untethered. But you know, we need to understand, go this year, start this year, believing within our, with everything within our soul that God is able to do what we would think is impossible, but yet for him nothing is impossible. Our faith needs to be in the divine, not the profane. We need to believe in the sacredness of God and, and not what our society is always harping and telling us about. It's like... God said to Isaiah, write this down, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in parts they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them, I will not forsake them. You see, God not only is present and aware, but he is very able 
to do what we are unable to do. And especially if we're standing on the, on the edge of a cliff and we're seeing all the foundations, everything we've ever trusted, seemingly becoming untethered or, or beginning to just come apart, we have to understand that God will not allow that to happen in his own time and in his own ways. In fact, for all of us, the scriptures promise, and the Apostle Paul said this, he said, you know, God is able to make all grace abound to you that you will always have sufficient to do your good works. So God is not going to forget us this year. Uh, God is not going to uh, be absent from our lives. He never has been. No, this year, uh, we need to begin the year by just simply, as David says, why, do you, why do you, are you saying this to me to make me fearful? My God resides on his throne. And that's where we need to be. The, the final thing is this, is that we need to understand that, that also God is not only able, but he is more than willing to do anything that can heal our hearts and help us. The scriptures tell us, again, Isaiah was the uh, writer, and God says, write this down, tell my people this. God says, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This year, more than anything, we need to think about the hand of God more than the handouts of men. It's what we need to think about. God also said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you, if and when you walk through fire, you will not be burned. I am the Lord your God. I am your Savior. So what to do this next year? Well, let's just stop listening to what everybody else has to say, and let's just get our minds and hearts back to what God has said. And I think we'll find a lot more peace and comfort. So, in my mind, since the foundations of the world are actually secure, they're not coming up, they're actually secure because they're in God's hands, and God has promised that he's very present He's aware, he's able, he's willing. What should we do? Here are just a few things from the scriptures. First of all, the scriptures tell us, Lord, teach us to number our days. Can't go wrong that way. Knowing that our lives are not forever on this earth and how we live here determines how we live later. And so, Lord, teach us to number our days. Paul then said to the church, and I think this is another good thing to do. He said, you know, he said, I'm going to press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. I'm pressing toward that. So this year, let's not just be observers. Let's press toward that mark. And finally, what the Lord, our, what our Lord said, don't worry about your life. He said in Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, wonderful reading. Don't worry about your life. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows your needs before you ever ask for them. Do not worry about tomorrow. So 
this year, let's do this. Let me read the psalm again, but put it in a different order. Here's what David writes. In the Lord do I put my trust. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, yes, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he'll rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind. That's going to be their portion. But the Lord is righteous and he loves righteousness and it will be his countenance that upholds the upright. This year, let's strive to be the upright for our God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us the past years that we've had. But Lord, we are so thankful that we can always begin anew. And so this year, may we lay aside all these other uh, threats and, and, and the dangers that everyone talks about. And Lord, may we just simply rest in you. May our heart, soul, mind, and spirit rest in you. You've made the promise that if we open our door, you'll come in and you'll make your abode with us. So I pray today, Lord, as we begin this year, we begin this time, that our hearts and minds would be focused and centered upon you. And may we never lose confidence that all things are in your control and we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close, and we're going to sing an old hymn, which I love. God leads his dear children along. So as we all sing in this, let that be our prayer, and let that be our commitment this morning, that we want to be his children, and we want him to lead us along. What page? Hymn 80. Hymn 80, as we sing. In shady green pastures, so